KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a journey through computation, data analysis, and real-world applications. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Tuesday, April 5th. What's next for the no-fault eviction moratorium? More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Today is election day for California's 80th Assembly District seat. The district spans southern San Diego, including Chula Vista and National City. The race is between Democrats David Alvarez and Georgette Gomez and Republican Lincoln Pickard. The election is to fill out the remainder of former Assembly member Lorena Gonzalez's term. If no candidate wins the majority of the votes, the two frontrunners will go to a runoff election in June. Voting centers will be open from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. tonight. A tentative agreement was reached late yesterday between a grocery store worker union and stores, including Ralph's, Vaughn's, and Albertson's. The agreement avoids a potential strike, which had been authorized by a union vote last month. The deal now goes to union members to review and vote on. A heat wave is on its way to San Diego starting tomorrow. The National Weather Service has issued a heat advisory for the San Diego Valleys and the coastal areas from Carlsbad down to National City. The temperatures are expected to be up to 25 degrees above average. San Diego Valleys could see temperatures up to 100 degrees, up to 92 in the coastal areas. The heat advisory will be in effect starting tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. through 6 p.m. on Friday, with the hottest days on Thursday and Friday. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, shaping the next generation of data-driven problem solvers. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu. After hours of public comment, the San Diego City Council voted to move forward on a no-fault evictions moratorium. The moratorium will end either on September 30th or 60 days after the local state of emergency, whichever comes first. The City Council must rehear the ordinance before it can be enforced. KPBS Race and Equity reporter Christina Kim has more. As their name suggests, no-fault evictions are when a tenant is evicted despite paying rent and obeying the lease. But the landlord wants to leave the rental market, move into the property, or substantially remodel. Council President Shanilo Rivera proposed the ordinance. His deputy chief of staff, director of transformative policy, Maya Rosas, spoke ahead of the meeting. We have a housing affordability crisis and a homelessness crisis. We cannot afford to have one more person fall into homelessness. For many of the region's landlords, however, the no-fault eviction moratorium is a step in the wrong direction. They oppose the moratorium and say other solutions like rental assistance would be better instead. Christina Kim, KPBS News. (music) 
The state extended pandemic rental relief in a bill signed late last week. Now, the state attorney general's office is putting some landlord attorneys on notice after receiving reports that their clients are using false claims in order to evict tenants. KQED's Aaron Baldessari has more. Right now, tenants can't be evicted if they've applied to the state's rent relief program and are still waiting on a payout. But some landlords have been trying to get around that law by lying on court documents, falsely claiming their tenants never applied to the program or didn't fill out all the required paperwork. The state's new housing strike force sent letters to law firms that represent landlords late last month, reminding them that using these false claims to evict tenants is illegal. The AG's office is encouraging lawyers who represent landlords to review their clients' documentation very carefully. And that was KQED's Aaron Baldessari reporting. San Diego County employees now have fewer COVID-19 restrictions that they have to comply with. KPBS reporter Tanya Thorne has more. Starting Monday, unvaccinated county employees no longer have to test for COVID regularly, and new hires don't have to be vaccinated. All the measures we took around COVID were all designed to be temporary. Uh, It was based on the threat of the collapse of the healthcare system. We've worked our way out systematically, step by step. County Supervisor Nathan Fletcher says the COVID vaccine still serves as a tool to fight the virus, including a new subvariant. The situation we face today is fundamentally different. Uh, than the one we faced, you know, 18 months ago or, or, or two years ago, and that we have the availability of the vaccine. Fletcher encourages San Diegans to get vaccinated and boosted. You can do it at locations throughout the county. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. The U.S. Surgeon General was in town yesterday. He spoke with students about a worsening mental health crisis among young people. KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman has more. U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy was in southeast San Diego at the Jackie Robinson YMCA. He was visiting their programs designed to help kids with mental health challenges. He also spent time listening to students from local high schools. One thing that's been striking to me is just how many young people are feeling isolated right now. The Surgeon General's visit comes after the CDC released new data last week showing how the pandemic has worsened kids' mental health. We have to do better uh, by our kids. And we've got to do that by investing in more treatment and making treatment accessible to them. The Surgeon General also says there's a stigma around mental health that has to be removed. He says that no young person should ever be afraid to seek treatment. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News. Coming up, a Haitian family who spent more than a year waiting for a chance to request asylum in the United States will finally be allowed in. We'll have that story and more. That's next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a blend of computer science, statistics, and domain expertise. Learn more about University of California San Diego's online Master of Data Science program at omds.ucsd.edu. 
A Trump-era ban on immigrants seeking asylum due to the COVID-19 pandemic will end in May. But even before the ban's end was announced last week, a family of Haitian asylum seekers did something very rare. KPBS border reporter Gustavo Solis says they entered the country through an exemption to Title 42. It took a team of lawyers, doctors, and advocates on both sides of the border to convince officials to let a Haitian family pursue their asylum claim in the U.S. The family's three-year-old daughter needs specialized care for a debilitating skin condition. Rashes cover most of her body and she scratches them to the point of bleeding. Ginger Klein is a lawyer with Al Otro Lado. She says getting the exemption was a huge challenge. Three lawyers, we did have letters from three different doctors and several follow-ups with, um, with civil rights, civil liberties. And um, I think it's really tragic because this case should have been approved a lot sooner and this little girl would have been able to get the treatment that she needed. That Haitian family, along with thousands of other migrants, have been blocked from crossing the border because of Title 42 a public health order that gives border officials the authority to turn away asylum seekers. But some people have been allowed in. Customs and Border Protection agents recently started granting Title 42 exemptions to Ukrainian nationals who are fleeing the war. Meanwhile, migrants from other countries like Haiti, Honduras, and Mexico are still largely prevented from pursuing their own asylum claims. Blaine Bookie is a lawyer with the Center for Refugee and Gender Studies. She says the Haitian family's case underscores how arbitrary our country's asylum system is right now. Yeah, just taking the case of this family, I think you can see just how difficult it is for Haitians and for other individuals, aside from Ukrainians, at this point in time to, to obtain an exemption from Title 42. It is rare for Haitian nationals to receive Title 42 exemptions. Klein says that only 21% of the nearly 1,000 exemption applications have been granted. And border officials don't always tell her why some petitions are denied while others are approved. There's no real public guideline for who gets exempted or why. Klein says that this lack of transparency from Customs and Border Protection makes it really hard for her to help migrants. Because we don't get any information from CBP about what went into the decision or the criteria that they were considering, um, we don't really have much insight into how they make those decisions and the reasons why some cases are approved and, and others are not. Entering the U.S. is just the first step in a long and complicated legal battle. The Haitian family could be separated or remain in custody throughout the case. They could also be allowed to stay with relatives in Florida, who are already willing to take them in. Bookie explains what will happen next. They will have to go through a court process to apply for asylum, which will require, you know, meeting with an attorney if they're lucky enough to find one, gathering all of the evidence necessary to show that they have a risk of persecution or torture, testifying in court, you know, showing that they meet all the legal requirements. And, you know, it's um, it's a it's a very long and, and um, you know, grueling process. In the end, most asylum cases are denied. Title 42 was scheduled to end May 23rd, but a recent legal challenge could change that. Until then, hundreds of asylum seekers will continue to be turned away from the border on a daily basis. And that was KPBS border reporter Gustavo Solis. In a statement, Customs and Border Protection said that consistent with the health order, they continue to exempt particularly vulnerable individuals from Title 42 on a case-by-case basis.
thousands of Ukrainians continue to arrive in Tijuana. The ones who have been here for a few weeks are starting to adjust. But KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado tells us fear for their loved ones has spiked after seeing images of the aftermath of the Russian invasion of Bucha. After being overwhelmed by thousands of Ukrainians fleeing the horrors of war, Tijuana officials opened up a shelter. Hundreds more are still camping near the port of entry. Since Russia waged war on Ukraine, more than 3,000 Ukrainians have crossed through the San Isidro port of entry. Some are already starting to settle in San Diego, among them Oksana Mushenko. The former teacher arrived here with her husband and children a few weeks ago. She now volunteers at the House of Ukraine in Balboa Park. This cultural center has become ground zero for fundraising for the country under siege. My mind um, visited only difficult thoughts. She stayed in contact with family and friends in Ukraine. And until now, she was hopeful they could quickly move on after the war. Now I feel empty in my heart. Images of mass graves and people murdered execution style in Bucha, where Russian soldiers occupied until recently, have left her so traumatized it's hard to speak. Reporters who have witnessed the aftermath say there's evidence of war crimes. Fellow volunteer Nina Kay, who was helping translate, steps in as Oksana shuts down. I'm afraid Oksana is having PTSD right now. Um, the, those pictures that we saw that what Russians did in Bucha affected her terribly. Those horrifying pictures of atrocity in Bucha completely destroyed her. Also weighing heavy on her heart is her friend and colleague, a math teacher, Victoria, who stayed behind to take care of her elderly parents. She says Victoria and her family were brutalized by Russian soldiers who broke into their home. They stayed for days, then took her with them when they left. Knowing how it happened, it just horrifies her. And uh, she's just devastated, really worried. She was her one of her best friends. Kay says this is a turning point. Those mass graves, it just, they just, it just destroys me to see what's happening in Ukraine. San Diegans like Wendy Sammons are coming in to donate and offer support. She says she wishes she could do more, but something must be done to stop this war. It's hard to just go in there and start World War III. We don't want that, but we have to stop this. Whatever it takes, I don't know. I really, I just know it needs to stop. Kay says people like Wendy make all the difference. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program.
shaping the next generation of data-driven problem solvers. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu.